We're going to be learning in Chidusha Ben Chaim Alevi, the second piece in Hilchus Karban Pesach. This is Perak Bey's Halacha Vav, and this is the second piece following the previous one, where Ab Chaim is analyzing the case where the Kohen had improper intentions to include people in the Karban Pesach who are not able to participate. The Rambam writes, If the Kohen does the Shechita of the Karban Pesach for people who are able to eat the Karban Pesach, but while he's doing the Shechita, he has intention to do the Zrika for people who are not able to eat the Karban Pesach. So a Pesach Kosher, it's a valid Karban Pesach. But a person cannot fulfill their mitzvah of Karban Pesach with this sacrifice. Because the halacha is that improperly including in the zrika people who can't eat the carbon pesach doesn't ruin this carbon pesach. So that's why it's a valid carbon pesach. Now the source for this halacha is in the Gemara Psachim Ein Ches. The Brisa says, If he did the shechita for people who are able to eat the carbon pesach, but then later on he did the zrika for people who are not, so a pesach atzmo kosher. It's still a valid carbon pesach, and it can be used to fulfill the mitzvah. Now, Rabbeinu Chananel has a different version of that brisa. In his brisa, it says, If while he was shechting it for the people who are able to eat the carbon pesach, at that time, the Kohen intended to do the Zrika for people who are not able to eat the Karban Pesach. So according to the Rabbeinu Hananel, the case in the Gemara is the exact same case of the Rambam, where he had this improper intention for Zrika during the time of Shechita. And according to the Rabbeinu Hananel, in that case, the Gemara rules that it's a valid Karban and a person fulfills their mitzvah. So that explicitly goes against the Rambam's ruling that even though it's a valid carbon, the Rambam holds that a person does not fulfill their mitzvah with this carbon. So Rab Chaim suggests that maybe the Rambam had a different version of the Gemara in which it said that a person does not fulfill their mitzvah with this carbon Pesach. So basically he agrees with Rabbeinu Hananel's version that the case of the Brisa is where the Kohen had the improper intention of the Zrika during the time of Shechita. But in the Rambam's version of the Gemara, unlike Rabbeinu Hananel's, it says that not only is the carbon valid, but a person also fulfills their mitzvah. But Rab Chaim says that that's not going to work because the Gemara originally assumes that that brisa reflects the view of Rabbi Nassan, who holds that it's not necessary to eat the carbon Pesach in order to fulfill the mitzvah. So that's why if the Kohen includes people who can't eat, it doesn't disqualify the carbon Pesach because they don't need to be able to eat. Now, according to Rabbi Nassan, it's clear that not only is it a valid carbon, but in addition, a person could certainly fulfill their mitzvah in that case. So if the Gemara assumes that the Brisa is Reb Nassan, then it must be that the ruling in the Brisa is that it's a valid carbon and the person fulfills their mitzvah. So if that's the case, then the Rambam cannot be contradicting the explicit halacha of the Gemara. So it must be that the Rambam had a different version at the beginning of the Brisa. So the end of the Brisa, everyone's going to agree with Rabbeinu Hananel's version that in that case, a person can fulfill their mitzvah with the carbon Pesach, but the Rambam 
Rambam holds that the beginning of the Brisa is Vizarku Damo, which means that he slaughtered it properly. He had no improper intentions during the time of Shechita. And then only later on during the time of Zrika, then the Kohen had the improper intention to include people who are not able to eat. So in that case, the Gemara rules that that's a fully valid Karban Pesach and a person can fulfill their mitzvah. Whereas the case of the Rambam is a little different, where the Kohen intended to do an improper Zrika for people who can't eat the Karban Pesach during the time of Shechita. So that's why it's a little bit worse. And in that case, even though it's a valid Karban, but a person doesn't fulfill their mitzvah with it. So that's the way to make sense of the Rambam so that he doesn't contradict this Gemara explicitly. But there's still a problem with this ruling of the Rambam because why shouldn't a person be able to fulfill their mitzvah if the rule is Ein Machsheves Ochlin Bizrika, that the Kohen, including people who can't eat in Zrika, does not disqualify the Karban. And the Rambam does rule that way because that's the whole basis for the Halacha that the Karban Pesach is valid. So then what reason could there be that a person cannot fulfill their mitzvah with this Karban Pesach? Now, Tosos would agree with the Rambam that in this case, a person cannot fulfill their mitzvah with this Karban Pesach because he has the version Rab Chaim began with, unlike Rabbi of the Zarak Damo, that the Kohen had the improper intention to include people who can't eat while he was doing the Zrika. So that's when the Gemara said that it's a valid carbon. But according to Tosos, if he had that intention while he was doing the Shechita, so that would ruin the carbon Pesach. So Tosos limits the whole leniency of Ein Machsheves Ochlin Bezrika only to when the Kohen intended that during the Zrika, not during the Shechita. And Rab Chaim explored this whole approach of Tosos in the previous piece. So Tosos is consistent because he holds that the carbon Pesach is disqualified in this case, and therefore a person cannot fulfill their mitzvah. But the Rambam, who obviously disagrees with Tosvos, he holds that in this case the carbon Pesach is valid because we do apply the leniency of Ein Machsheves Ochlin Bezrika even when the Kohen had the improper intention during the time of Shechita. So that's why the Karban Pesach is kosher. So why can't a person fulfill their mitzvah using this Karban Pesach? And in fact, Rab Chaim adds that even if we were to say that the Rambam had this version explicitly in the Gemara, so the Rambam didn't innovate anything here. He just copied and pasted straight from the Gemara that in this case where the Kohen had the improper intention of Zrika during the time of Shechita, HaPesach kosher, the Karban Karban is valid, but a person cannot fulfill their mitzvah, we would still have to understand what's the reason for this distinction. Even though the Gemara is saying it explicitly, but if it's a valid carbon, so why can't a person use it to fulfill their mitzvah? So in order to explain this, Rab Chaim asks a basic question on this whole concept of Ein Machsheves Ochlin Bezrika, that if the Kohen had the improper intention to include people who can't eat the carbon Pesach, let's say they're sick or or their tummy, so they're not going to be able to eat the carbon pesach at the seder. We don't disqualify the whole group from the carbon pesach because of that improper intention. So Rab Chaim asks from the Gemara in Psachim Ein Ches. There's a brisa: Nimnu alav chabura achas v'chazru v'nimnu alav chabura acheres. Let's say a group of people signed up for the carbon pesach with this animal, and then a second group signed up for a different group using the same animal. So the first group of people, each one has as a kazayis, the minimum shear of an olive size in order to fulfill the mitzvah. But the second group of people, there's not enough meat to go around. 
for everyone to fulfill their mitzvah and get the minimum amount. So the Gemara rules that the first people are considered a group and each of them can eat a kazayis and fulfill their mitzvah. But the second group of people are not able to eat from this carbon Pesach. They're not considered to have signed up properly because there's not enough meat for them to do their mitzvah. So it's as if they're not part of a group and they have to do Pesach Sheni. So Rab Chaim analyzes this brisa because the fact that it's saying that the people in the second group cannot eat from the Karban Pesach means that not only did they not fulfill their mitzvah of Karban Pesach, but even one step further, they're not considered to have signed up for a group at all. Generally with the Karban Pesach, a person has to be pre-signed up with a group while the animal's alive, and then after it's sacrificed, he can eat from that Karban Pesach. So these people not only did they not fulfill their mitzvah because they don't have a kazayis minimum amount, but in addition, they're not even allowed to eat from the Karban Pesach, which means that their group was not considered a group to begin with. And the reason for this, says Rab Chaim, is because the halacha of signing up for a group is learned out in the Gemara Psachim Samach Aleph and Ayin Ches from the Pasuk of Ishlafi Ochlo Tachusu. The Torah insisted that people must eat from the Karban Pesach in order to fulfill their mitzvah. So from that Pasuk, we derive that only people who are going to be able to eat from this Karban Pesach fulfill their mitzvah with this animal. And we learn out that they need to be signed up for the group. So what follows is that someone who's not able to eat from the Karban Pesach, because let's say they don't have the minimum amount of meat to do their mitzvah, so that person is also not considered to have signed up for the group. Now, by extension, says Rab Chaim, the same should be true for anyone who's unable to eat from the Karban Pesach. So let's say they're sick or they're tame. They're not going to be able to eat from this Karban Pesach at the Seder. So they're also excluded from being part of the group. So even if they make a plan with a couple of their friends to be part of their group and everyone agrees that they're going to be one of the people, they're still not halakhically considered to be one of the members of this group who's bringing the Karban Pesach. So basically this step in Rab Chaim is that from the fact that the Gemara says when there's not enough meat to go around for everyone, we dissolve the whole group that's not considered a group because they're not able to fulfill their mitzvah through eating the Karban Pesach. So the same should be true in any case where a person is not going to be able to eat the Karban Pesach, whether they're ill, whether they're Tameh, they're not included in the group to begin with. So now Rab Chaim asks a very strong question, because what does it matter if we say Ein Machsheves Ochlin Bizrika, that the Kohen intending to include people who aren't able to eat the Karban Pesach doesn't disqualify the Karban Pesach, there's a much more basic problem here, which is called Shinui Ba'alim. The halacha is that a Kohen has to offer the sacrifice for the owners. If someone brings a sacrifice and the Kohen sacrifices it for someone else's sake, so that's called Shinui Ba'alim. He's switching the owners. And the mission at the beginning of Zvachim says that Shinui Ba'alim disqualifies a Karban Pesach. So this is a very good question. Since the Kohen intended to include people who are unable to eat the Karban Pesach. And as Rab Chaim said, those people are not even part of the group. 
So they're not considered one of the owners of the Karban Pesach. So now it's disqualified because of Shinui Ba'alim. How can the Gemara say that Ein Machshavis Ochlim Bizrika and this is a valid Karban Pesach? Even if it's not disqualified because the Kohen intended to include an elderly person who can't eat, but that person is not part of the group to begin with. So he's not one of the owners. So it's a problem of Shinui Ba'alim. So Rab Chaim answers based on the Gemara Mpsachim Samach Beis. The Gemara says that if he intended to include an uncircumcised person, Machsheves Arelim, so that's not a problem of Shinui Ba'alim according to Rabbah, because the Torah excludes Shinui Ba'alim from all love on him, the law al Havero, not on his friend. So that's only excluding people who are similar to the owners that in theory they could have been part of this Karban Pesach. So if the Kohen includes someone who's not an owner, but he could have been an owner, so then that's a problem. But an uncircumcised person who's not fit to be part of a Karban Pesach group to begin with, so he's not included in the exclusion of Shinui Ba'alim if the Kohen intends to include him, it would not be a problem. And even Rav Chisto, who disagrees with Rab over there, that's only because an uncircumcised person could choose to get circumcised. So in theory, they are able to be part of a Karban Pesach if they correct their situation. So that's why Rav Chisto holds that an uncircumcised person is in the general category of fit to be the owner of a Karban Pesach. But that would not apply to an elderly or sick person who's not able to change their status. They're not able to be part of a Karban Pesach. So Shinui Ba'alim in that case, both according to Rabbah and Rav Chista, would not be a problem. And the same principle is repeated in Zvachim Dav Zayin. It says that if the Kohen slaughtered the Chatas for someone who's obligated in an Ola, so a Chatas comes for doing a sin, an Ola comes because a person chooses to donate it. So if the Kohen's improper intention for the Chatas was for someone who's not the owner, but they're not obligated in a Chatas, they're only obligated in an Ola, so that also doesn't disqualify the Karban, because the only time Shinui Ba'alim is a problem is when the person the Kohen included is in the same status as the actual owners. So according to these sources, if the Kohen intends to include in the Karban Pesach someone who's elderly who cannot eat from the Karban Pesach, that would not disqualify the Karban Pesach because of Shinoi Ba'alim. So that's why the Gemara says that since Ein Machshavis Ochlin Bizrika, the Karban Pesach is going to be valid. So now, returning to our original Rambam, says Rab Chaim, we can explain why the Rambam rules this middle status, that the Karban Pesach is valid, but a person does not fulfill their mitzvah with it. Because the Rambam in Hilchus Psula Mugdoshim Tesvav Ches writes that in the case where the Kohen offered the Chatas, for the sake of someone who is not obligated in a chatas. So as we said from the Gemara in Zvachim, that doesn't disqualify the chatas. So the Rambam rules that the chatas is kshera below al ba'alim, but it still doesn't count for the owners, meaning they don't get credit for having brought the chatas and they have to redo the chatas again. And similarly in Halacha Tess there, he writes that if the Kohen brought the chatas for the sake of someone who died, so again, the chatas is kshera, 
because the person that he switched for the actual owners is not even alive, so they're not in the same status as the owner, but still this chatas doesn't count and the owner has to redo it. So basically the Rambam rules that where the Kohen does the sacrifice for someone who's not the owner, if that new person is not in the same category as the owner, so it doesn't disqualify the carbon, but it does affect that the actual owner doesn't get credit for this carbon because it wasn't brought on their behalf. So they have to redo the carbon. So now it makes perfect sense that the Rambam is applying the same category to the case of the carbon Pesach, which was done for people who are not able to eat it even though that doesn't disqualify the actual carbon Pesach because those people are not in the same status as the real owners, so it doesn't invalidate the carbon, but the actual owners of the carbon Pesach can't fulfill their mitzvah with this carbon Pesach because they don't get credit for having brought this carbon. So basically the Rambam's ruling about this in Hilchus Karban Pesach is in line with his ruling in general about Karbanos. The Rambam holds that even where there's no Shinui Ba'alim that disqualifies the Karban, but if the Kohen brought the Karban on behalf of someone else and not the owners, so they don't get credit for it. So the same is true in the case of the Karban Pesach, where the Kohen intended to bring it for someone who can't eat the Karban Pesach. So that's not going to be a problem of Shinui Ba'alim because there are different stats. And in addition, we hold Ein Machshavis Ochlin Bizrika that an improper Zrika is not going to disqualify the carbon. So, because of those two factors, the Rambam rules that the Pesach itself is kosher. But in line with his general view, he also rules that the owners don't get credit for this carbon because it wasn't brought on their behalf, so they haven't fulfilled the mitzvah. So now, based on this, in the third paragraph, Rab Chaim turns to explain another point in the Rambam's approach. And that is that even the Rambam who holds that when the Kohen intended to do the Zrika for people who can't eat during the time of Shrita, so the Pesach is kosher, but people can't fulfill their mitzvah with it. But the Rambam himself agrees that in the case where the Kohen only intended to include people who can't eat during the Zrika, so again, the Shrita was done totally proper. And only later during the Zrika, the Kohen intended to include people who can't eat. So according to the Rambam, as it says explicitly in the Gemara, in that case, people do fulfill their mitzvah with this carbon Pesach. Now, according to the Rambam, why should there be such a distinction? If we're saying that when the Kohen does the service for people who are not in the group, the people don't fulfill their mitzvah, the same should be true even if he intends to include those people during the Zrika. Again, the people who are the actual owners should not fulfill their mitzvah. So using his approach, Rab Chaim explains that we need to amend a little bit this idea that someone who can't eat the Karban Pesach is not part of the group at all. That only applies when they weren't able to eat the Karban Pesach before the Shechita. So while the animal was alive, this person was already too sickly to be able to eat the Karban Pesach, and they tried to join the group. So in that case, the Halacha says that they're not part of the group at all. But if this person was healthy when they joined the group and when the animal was slaughtered, so originally they were able to eat the Karban Pesach, and then after the Shechita, they got sick and they're not going to be able to eat the Karban Pesach, but they're still considered part of the group. Now that's true even though they haven't fulfilled their mitzvah of Karban Pesach. The Gemara in Pesachim Ein Ches quotes a brisa that anyone who's too sick to eat from the Karban Pesach at the time of Zerika does not fulfill their 
their mitzvah. So this person who was healthy when the animal was slaughtered and then got sick before the zrika, they do not fulfill their mitzvah of Karban Pesach with this animal, but they're still part of the group. So now there's a middle category. It's not always true that if someone's not able to eat the Karban Pesach, they're not part of the group. There is this case where a person was healthy during the Shechita and then sick during the Zrika, where they're not able to eat from the Karban Pesach. They don't fulfill their mitzvah of Karban Pesach, but they're still considered part of the group. And the explanation for why the time of Shechita is the defining moment is because the Pasuk from which this whole halacha is derived, that in order to be part of the group, a person needs to be able to eat the Karban Pesach, is ish lefi achlo tachusu, that a person needs to eat it. Now, tachusu means to slaughter it. So basically, the Torah is saying that at the time of slaughtering, a person needs to be able to eat from the Karban Pesach in order to be part of the group. So that means everything depends on the moment of the Shechita, but if the person's unable to eat after the Shechita, they're still considered part of the group. And that's exactly from where we derive Ein Machshavis Ochlem Bizrika, that an improper thought is not going to disqualify during Zrika from this Pasuk that makes everything dependent on the moment of Shechita. So these two halachas are parallel in the sense that the Shechita is the defining moment, whether the Kohen has an improper thought or who's included in the group. And after that is not going to disqualify the Karban or make it that someone is not part of the group. Now, there is another Gemara that seems to go against this because that Gemara on Ayin Ches, which learns out that a person has to be able to eat the Karban Pesach at the time of Zrika in order to fulfill their mitzvah. So that's also derived from this same Pasuk. So there the Gemara seems to indicate that this Pasuk is not only referring to the time of Shechita, it also includes the time of Zrika. But still, says Rab Chaim, we have this other halacha of when the Kohen's improper thoughts would disqualify the Karban. And there the Gemara interprets this Pasuk as referring only to the time of Shechita, not the time of Zrika. So the same could be true with regards to who's included in the group, that it's defined at the moment of Shechita, not at the moment of Zerika. And Rab Chaim adds that even aside from the reading of this Pasuk, that makes logical sense because the Mishnah says that you can join a group and leave a group up until the Shechita. After the Shechita, you can't join anymore and you also can't leave that group. So we see that the defining moment is the Shechita. So it makes sense that someone who is part of a group, even if they get sick after the Shechita, they're still considered part of that group and they don't lose their status in that group. So again, what that would mean is someone who is healthy during the Shechita and then they got sick and they can no longer eat the Karban Pesach before the Zerika. So even though they don't fulfill their mitzvah with this Karban Pesach, but they're still considered part of the group. So in that case, if the Kohen intends to include this elderly or sickly person during the time of the Zerika, that will not disqualify this Karban at all. It's not a case of Shinui Baalim in the slightest. And even according to the Rambam's stringency, the people have still fulfilled their mitzvah of Karban Pesach. So now coming back to the original question on the Rambam, the case in the Gemara where it says, that if the 
Kohen slaughtered the animal for people who are going to eat, but then he did the Zrika for someone who can't eat the Karban Pesach. So the Gemara rules that that's fully a valid Karban Pesach and the people fulfilled their mitzvah with this Karban. So that could make sense, as Rab Chaim saying, in a case where there was someone who was part of the group and they were healthy during the Shechita. And then before the Zrika, they got sick and they're no longer able to eat the Karban Pesach. So in that case, if the Kohen still includes that person in the Zrika, that's not going to be a problem at all. It's not a problem of Shinui Ba'alim in the slightest because they are considered part of the group. And since Ein Machshavis Ochlim Bizrika, since including someone who's not going to be able to eat the Karban Pesach is not a problem in the Zrika, so this is a fully valid Karban Pesach. And that's why the Gemara says that the people fulfill their mitzvah with it. As opposed to the case of the Rambam, where at the time of Shechita, this person was already unable to eat the Karban Pesach. So that's why the Rambam rules that if he slaughters the Karban Pesach with the intention to do Zrika for someone who's currently unable to eat the Karban Pesach, so that means they're also not part of the group. So even though Shinui Ba'alim doesn't disqualify the Karban, but it does make it that the people don't fulfill their mitzvah of Karban Pesach. So this explains why there's a difference between the Rambam case where the Kohen intended to include someone who can't eat the Karban Pesach in the Zrika during the time of Shechita versus the case of the Gemara where he only intended to include that person during the Zrika itself. He did not intend to include that person during the Shechita where the Gemara says that it's a fully valid Karban and the people fulfill their mitzvah. The distinction is that in the case of the Gemara we're talking about someone who was healthy during the Shechita so they actually were part of the group originally so that's why there's zero problem problem including them in the intention of Zerika. So now, having explained the Rambam's approach, Rab Chaim returns to the view of Rabbeinu Hananel because he clearly disagrees with the Rambam's view. He has a version of the Gemara which explicitly says that even though at the time of Shechita, the Kohen intended to include someone who can't eat from the Karban Pesach in the Zerika, it's still a valid Karban Pesach and the people fulfill their mitzvah with it. So obviously, Rabbeinu Hananel holds that even though the Kohen is including someone at the time of the Shechita, who's not part of the group because they're not able to eat the Karban Pesach, that still does not affect this Karban and the people continue to fulfill their mitzvah with it. So Rab Chaim wants to understand what's the view of Rabbeinu Hananel? Why does he disagree with the Rambam? So Rab Chaim introduces a very important conceptual point and he says that the halacha of ownership of a regular Karban, what's called Ba'alim, is different than the halacha of Minui that a person needs to be registered for a Karban Pesach group in order to fulfill the mitzvah. Those are not identical concepts. And he has two proofs for this. First of all, the Gemara in Pesachim Ein Ches derives that a person needs needs to be pre-registered for the Karban Pesach from the verse of Ishlafi Ochlo Tachusu. So there's a special halacha that a person must be part of a Karban Pesach group in order to fulfill the mitzvah. Now, if that's just the regular old halacha of ownership of a Karban, so we don't need anything special for Karban Pesach, every Karban has to be brought by their owners. That's understood. That's just part of being a Karban that the owners bring it. So the fact that there's a special Pasuk which tells us that you need to be part of a group for the Karban Pesach means that that's an additional component when it comes to the Karban Pesach over and above the regular obligation that a Karban has to be brought by the owners. In addition, there's another distinction between these two halachas. The Gemara in Pesachim Samech Aleph says,
says that the Kohen has to have intention for the people in the group while he's shechting the carbon Pesach. Now, in general, the problem of Shinui Ba'alim, the Kohen has to have intention for the proper owners during Zrika, as the Gemara there says. So there's a distinction between the concept of Ba'alim versus the group of the carbon Pesach, that in a regular carbon, the Kohen has to have intention for these owners during the Zrika, not during the Shechita. But in the case of the Karban Pesach, he has to be including this group during the Shechita. So again, we see that these are two slightly different concepts. In the case of the Karban Pesach, it's not enough to just be an owner. He also has to be one of the people pre-registered to the group. Now, these are not disconnected concepts because the way a person becomes an owner of a Karban Pesach is by registering with the group because that's the halacha that a person can join and pull out of groups and that's going to change who's considered the owners who are bringing this carbon Pesach. So by registering to be part of this group of the carbon Pesach, a person becomes an owner of this carbon Pesach. But there's still different elements in the sense that for a regular carbon, a person needs to be an owner. But in the case of the carbon Pesach, they need to be registered to the group. So now if we apply this back into Rabbeinu Hananel, says Rab Chaim, we can understand his view. Rabbeinu Hananel holds that what it means to not be part of a carbon Pesach group at all is that someone pulled out of the group. So they took their name out. They're not joining this group. But in the case that we're discussing, someone did join the group. They wanted to be part of the group, but they're too ill or elderly. They're not going to be able to eat the Karban Pesach that night. So that is not considered that they're totally removed from this group. They're still considered partially in the group because if they were to get better and recover before the Shechita and they can eat the Karban Pesach, then of course they could join this group at the Seder that night. So they're not totally removed from this group. Now, even though it's true, as Rab Chaim said, that since at the time of the Shechita, they weren't able to eat the Karban Pesach, so they're not considered part of the group. But that's a special halacha with regards to being in the group of the Karban Pesach, that the only people who are able to join them are people who are able to eat the Karban Pesach at the time of the Shechita. So this person is going to be out. But that's only the criteria for joining the group of the Karban Pesach. There's still a second element, which is who's the owners of this Karban Pesach. So there we could argue that even though this person is excluded from the group of the Karban Pesach, meaning they don't meet the criteria to be able to join these people in eating the Karban Pesach at the Seder, but they're not excluded from the fact that they're all considered owners of the Karban Pesach. So this person who's too sick to eat the Karban Pesach, even though they're not able to join the people at the Seder that night, even if they recover after the Shechita, but they are considered one of the owners of the Karban Pesach. So basically, Rab Chaim is proposing that these two concepts of ownership versus being part of the group have different criteria. And even though the Karban Pesach group, meaning who's able to eat the Karban Pesach that night, is defined by anyone that's able to eat it during the time of Shechita, but the criteria for owning the Karban Pesach, which again follows from whoever's part of the group, is more lenient. So even someone that's not able to eat the Karban Pesach at the time of Shechita, since in theory they are part of this group, they're considered one of the owners of the Karban Pesach, and there's no disqualification of Shinui Ba'alim at all by including them in the Zrika.
And in fact, says Rab Chaim, this has to be the case, that the criteria for who's excluded from eating the Karban Pesach is more stringent than who's excluded from being part of the Karban Pesach group, meaning the ownership of this Karban Pesach, because the halacha of who can eat from the Karban Pesach is not solely defined by who's part of the group. It also has to be someone that the Karban Pesach was sacrificed on their behalf. So for example, the person who was healthy during the time of Shechita, so they're definitely part of the group of the Karban Pesach, and then they got ill before the Zrika. So the Zrika did not count for them, so they're not able to eat the Karban Pesach that night. But that exclusion is only that they're not able to eat from the Karban Pesach because the Zrika wasn't done on their behalf. But they're still clearly a part of this Karban Pesach. So it must be that the criteria for who's able to eat the Karban Pesach is different than the criteria of who's included in the ownership and the group of this Karban Pesach, and even someone who can't eat it could be considered one of the owners. So now we could say that if someone is sickly and they're not going to be able to eat the Karban Pesach, but they still sign up with the group, so they went through that process properly, so they are considered part of the group. Now they're not going to be able to eat the Karban Pesach because as we said, one of the criteria for being part of the group and being able to eat with it is to be someone who's able to eat the Karban Pesach. And since this person doesn't meet that criteria, so they're not able to eat the Karban Pesach with this group. But that's all with regards to whether or not they could eat the Karban Pesach. When it comes to who the Kohen can include in his intentions and not disqualify the Karban, so then in no way does including this person disqualify the Karban Pesach. It's certainly not Shinui Baalim of the regular sort which disqualifies regular Karbanos because as we said, this person could be considered one of the owners of the Karban Pesach. But even more, it's not even a problem of Machsheves Shalolaminuyov, which means including someone outside of the Karban Pesach group, because within this person's status, we need to differentiate. They're not considered part of the group in terms of eating with the group, but they could be considered part of the group in terms of having intention for this group. So it's not even going to be the problem of intending to include people from outside of the group of the Karban Pesach, because this person meets that criteria. And Rab Chaim has a brilliant proof to this because the Mishnah lists two separate categories. Machsheves Shalola Ochlov, if the Kohen includes people who can't eat, as well as Machsheves Shalola Minuyav, if the Kohen includes people who are not part of the group. So we see that those are not synonymous. They're not exactly the same. There are cases where someone cannot eat, but they're still included in the group. So that would be one of these cases. So according to Rab Chaim, someone who went ahead and joined the group, even if they're not able to eat. So that means that in the perspective of whether they're part of this group in terms of eating with the group, the answer is no, they cannot be part of the group. But in terms of whether they're part of the group for the Kohen's intentions, so for that, they are considered one of the members of the group. And therefore, there's no problem whatsoever, not Shinui Baalim, not Machsheves Shalolaminuyav. There's no problem with the Kohen having intention to do any of the services of the Karban Pesach for this person also. So now these ideas are going to very beautifully explain Rabbi Nochananel's approach. He has a version of the Gemara 
Gemara that says that in a case where the Kohen did the Shechita, and at that time he intended to do the Zrika for someone who's too ill to eat the Karban Pesach, so it's still a fully valid Karban Pesach, and the people fulfill their mitzvah. So again, we could say, similar to how the Rambam said that the Gemara is talking about a specific case, Rabbeinu Hananel interprets that that case is where he was healthy when he joined the group, so his joining was a proper joining, and then he got ill, so he wasn't able to eat the Karban Pesach before the Shechita. So at the time of the Shechita, he was in the category of someone who can't eat the Karban Pesach. So that's why Rabbeinu Hananel holds that since his original joining was fully proper, we consider him totally part of the group. So that's why when the Kohen intends to include him in the Zrika, it's not a problem of Shinui Baalim, because he is one of the Baalim. Now the only problem would have been that since he's unable to eat, if he's included in the Zrika, that might be a problem. So on that, the Gemara says, Ein ochlim We hold that that's not a problem. So since the Zrika for someone who can't eat is not a problem, and this person is technically one of the owners of the Karban Pesach, so there's no disqualification of Shinui Ba'alim at all. So therefore, says Rabbi Nuchananel, this is a fully valid Karban Pesach, and the people fulfill their mitzvah. Now the point that the Rambam disagrees with Rabbi Nuchananel on is the Rambam holds that since this person is not able to eat the Karban Pesach during the time of Shechita, so that means he's totally removed from the group and he's also not one of the owners. So when the Kohen includes him during the Zrika, that is a minor problem of Shinui Ba'alim. It doesn't disqualify the Karban as we explained earlier, but it would make it that the people don't fulfill their mitzvah with this Karban. So according to the Rambam, this person is not technically one of the Ba'alim and that's why the people don't fulfill their mitzvah with this Karban Pesach. According to Rabbeinu Hananel, this person is part of the group in the sense that they are considered one of the owners of the Karban Pesach. So that's what the debate between the Rambam and Rabbeinu Hananel boils down to. In the case where someone was healthy when they joined the group of the Karban Pesach, and then they got too sick to eat from the Karban Pesach before the Shechita. So according to the Rambam, they're totally removed from this group, and they're no longer considered one of the owners, even in the generic way that people own a Karban. According to Rabbeinu Hananel, though, even though they can't eat with this group, so in that sense, they're removed from the group, but they're still technically part of the group, so they're considered one of the owners, and intending to include them in the Zrika doesn't in any way change the status of this carbon. So now, in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim shows how the Rambam got his approach directly from the Gemara. And this is based on the Gemara in Pesachim Samach Aleph. It quotes a debate between Rabbah and Rav Chista in the case of the Kohen who slaughtered the Karban Pesach for people who are circumcised with the intention to do the Zrika for people who are uncircumcised. So Rav Chista says that it disqualifies the Karban Pesach because Yesh Machsheves Arelim Bizrika. Doing Zrika for Arelim disqualifies the Karban Pesach. Rabba holds Ein Machsheves Arelim Bizrika. Doing Zrika for Arelim does not disqualify the Karban Pesach. So it's still a valid Karban Pesach. Then the Gemara quotes two different approaches to explain their debate. The first one says that the debate centers on how to interpret a Brisa, which says that there's a difference between Shechita versus Zrika. In the case of Shechita, the Torah disqualified Arelim, whereas in the case of Zrika, it did not. 
So according to Rabbah, the way to interpret this b'risa is that it means to say that intending to do the shechita for someone uncircumcised is going to disqualify the carbon Pesach, but intending to do the zrika for someone uncircumcised does not disqualify the carbon Pesach. So basically the b'risa reiterates Rabbah's view. The way Rav Chista interprets the b'risa is the other way. That the b'risa means to say that intending to do the shechita for a mixed group of both circumcised as well as uncircumcised people is not a problem. It's only a problem if the entire group is uncircumcised, but a mixed group is not a problem. But Zrika is even worse. So even intending to do the Zrika for a mixed group is also going to disqualify the Karban Pesach. So basically, Rabba and Rav Chista read the distinction that this Brisa makes between Shechita and Zrika differently. According to Rabba, it's saying, that the problem of Arelim is only in Shechita, not in Zerika. According to Rav Chista, it's saying that the Zerika is even worse than the Shechita, that even a mixed group is a problem during Zerika. So then the Gemara turns to a totally different approach to explain the debate between Rabbah and Rav Chista. And this is from Rav Ashi. And he questions that maybe the Brisa means to say precisely the opposite. That originally we would have thought that even a mixed group is a problem. So intending to do the shechita or the zrika for a group which has both circumcised and uncircumcised people in it would have been a problem. And the b'risa concludes that no, it's only a problem if the entire group is arelim, but if it's a mixed group, then that would not disqualify neither the shechita nor the zrika. So the way Rav Ashi explains the debate between Rav Chista and Rabbah is that they're arguing about the issue of shinui ba'alim. So the issue is whether intending to include this uncircumcised person is going to disqualify the Karban Pesach because of Shinui Ba'alim. So Rabbah says that it does not because when it comes to Shinui Ba'alim, it's only a disqualification if the new person is the same status as the actual owners. But in this case, the uncircumcised person cannot be part of the Karban Pesach. So they're not included in the category of the owners. They're not similar enough to them. So therefore, Shinui Ba'alim is not going to be a problem. So that's why Rabbah says that it doesn't disqualify the Karban Pesach. Rav Chista in theory agrees with Rabbah's view, but he holds that since this uncircumcised person could get circumcised, so they are in the same status as the owners, so therefore they are included in Shinui Ba'alim, and that's why he holds that it does disqualify the Karban Pesach. So basically Rav Ashi is disagreeing with the first approach in two regards. First, Rav Ashi holds that a mixed group of both circumcised and uncircumcised people would not be a disqualification at all, not in the Shechita nor in the Zerika. And second of all, Rav Ashi holds that the debate between Rabbah and Rav Chista centers on the issue of whether the Arelim are considered Shinui Ba'alim or not. Now, the way Rashi interprets Rav Ashi's approach is that we're talking about Arelim who are not included in this Karban Pesach group. So it's just a random uncircumcised person that the Kohen included in his intention. So that's why the only problem in the Gemara is Shinui Ba'alim, because Arelim is only a problem if they're included in the group to begin with. But if the Kohen just includes a random uncircumcised person, that does not disqualify the Karban Pesach. So in this case, the only problem would have been Shinui Ba'alim, because this person is not one of the 
owners. They're not in the group of the Karban Pesach. So that's why Rabbah says it's not a problem and Rav Chista says it does. But the whole debate centers only on the issue of Shinui Ba'alim because our Raylim is not going to be a disqualification since this person is not in the group and the only disqualification of our Raylim is when the Kohen intends to include an uncircumcised person who was included in the group to begin with. So that's the way Rashi makes sense of Rav Ashi's second approach to explaining Rabba and Rav Chista. Now Rav Chaim asks that this seems somewhat forced because the Gemara seems to be discussing the issue of Arelim, not Shinui Ba'alim. So how did we suddenly switch and abandon the whole discussion about Arelim and we're suddenly talking about something totally different? So in order to answer this question, Rab Chaim proposes that the Rambam read the Gemara totally differently from Rashi. And he already mentioned this approach briefly towards the end of the previous piece, but now he's going to elaborate on it more. And first of all, he points out that the Rambam would hold the whole idea that Rashi has of including an Aral in the Karban Pesach group is meaningless. Because even if they go through the motions of saying that he's part of their group, it's not going to change anything halachically because the Aral cannot be part of a Karban Pesach group. And this is at its most basic based on the Gemara in Yevamos Ein Aleph, where it says that someone uncircumcised is excluded from the Karban Pesach, both from offering it and from eating it. So it seems likely that they're also totally excluded from joining a group of a Karban Pesach. So for that reason alone, it seems likely that halachically, there is no meaning to including an uncircumcised person in the Karban Pesach group. It's nice to be inclusive, but halachically, it's not going to accomplish anything. And in addition to that, Rab Chaim's been saying throughout this whole piece that anyone who can't eat from the Karban Pesach can't be part of the group to begin with. And according to the Rambam, that means that he's totally removed from any concept of being one of the people in the group. Now, Rab Chaim counters that someone who's uncircumcised is in a better position than someone who's sick and can't eat the Karban Pesach because the person who's uncircumcised could get circumcised and then join the group. So that's the idea that the Gemara says within Rav Chista to explain why an Aral is in a better situation. So the same thing might be true over here. And maybe if they include an uncircumcised person in the group, he would be included because he's better than a sick or an elderly person. But still, says Rab Chaim, as he said earlier, everything is defined by the moment of the Shechita. So anyone who at that moment cannot eat from the Karban Pesach is excluded from the group. So even though this Aral could fix his situation by getting circumcised, but if at the moment of Shechita he is still uncircumcised, then that would freeze in the moment that he's removed from this group. It doesn't matter what he could have done to correct himself. So basically, according to the Rambam's approach, an Aral cannot be included in any Karban Pesach group, and the idea of including him in the group is totally meaningless halachically. So that undermines the distinction that Rashi makes between an Aral who's included in the group versus someone who's not. According to the Rambam, it makes no difference. In all cases, the Aral is considered outside of the group. 
So now we could say that the Rambam interprets Rav Ashi's approach to be referring to Arelim who were included in the group, but still the disqualification is because of Shinui Ba'ali. Now in the parentheses, Rav Chaim deals with the question that he dealt with in the previous piece, which is if they're anyways disqualified because of Arelim, so why do we need to add an additional disqualification of Shinui Ba'alim? So he answers because since this is Rav Ashi's view and he holds that a mixed group of half Arelim, half Mulim is not disqualified. So in that case, we disqualify them not because of Arelim, but because of Shinui Ba'alim. But what Rav Ashi is trying to say is that according to Rav Chista, there is a disqualification of Shinui Ba'alim for Arelim, even if they were included in the group. And the reason is exactly what Rab Chaim is saying, that since the Aral is not able to be part of the Karban Pesach, he's also not able to be part of the group. So therefore, there's a problem of Shinui Ba'alim. So what Rav Ashi is saying is that the technical disqualification is not Aral. The actual box that we check to disqualify this Karban Pesach is Shinui Ba'alim. But the reason it's Shinui Ba'alim is only because this person is in Aral. If they weren't in Aral, then they would be a member in good standing of the group. And of course, there would be no issue of Shinui Ba'alim. But since they're in Aral, they can't be included in the group. So when the Kohen intends to include them, that's now a violation of Shinui Ba'alim because he's including someone from outside of the group. So even though technically the issue is Shinui Ba'alim, but of course it follows directly from the whole discussion of our Reilim. So Rav Chista who holds that Aral is a problem, so this guy's out of the group, which means it's a problem of Shinui Ba'alim. Whereas according to Rabbah, Shinui Ba'alim is not going to be a disqualification here because the Aral is not in the same category as the actual owners. So by extension, the whole psul of Arelim doesn't kick in. So that's the way Rab Chaim understands Rav Ashi's approach to explaining the debate between Rabbah and Rav Chista according to the Rambam. Now, if this is correct, so what emerges is that the whole idea of the Rambam is now implicit in this Gemara. The Rambam got it straight from how he interpreted the Gemara because the Gemara itself is now saying that anyone who can't eat with the group cannot be part of the group to the extent that there's Shinui Balim. That's the whole idea behind why the Aral is considered Shinui Balim because since he's not part of the group in order to eat with them, so that becomes Shinui Balim. So in the same way, the Rambam extended that halacha to someone who's elderly or sick and cannot eat from the Karban Pesach, since he's not part of the group in order to eat with them, it's considered Shinui Ba'alim if the Kohen intends to do the service for him to. So this is a very creative final point from Rab Chaim connecting how the Rambam would interpret the Gemara and Samech Aleph and showing how the Rambam gets his whole conceptual idea from his interpretation of that Gemara. So this is Rab Chaim's approach in order to explain this strange ruling of the Rambam, that there is a case where the Pesach itself is valid, but the person does not fulfill their mitzvah with it. And Rab Chaim's explanation is that in the case where the Kohen intends to include people who can't eat from the Karban Pesach in the Zerika, even though Ein Machshavis Ochlim Bizrika, it's not a problem in the Zerika, but there is a partial problem of Shinui Ba'alim. Now, even though it's not a full problem of Shinui Ba'alim, 
Kalim because this person can't eat the Karban Pesach, so they're not like the original owners, but there is a partial problem, as the Rambam says, that since it was not offered for the owner's sake, so they do not fulfill their mitzvah of the Karban Pesach. And Rab Chaim adds that according to the Rambam, that whole disqualification of Shinui Ba'alim would only apply to someone who was unable to eat the Karban Pesach at the time of Shechita. If they were included in the group at the time of Shechita, even if subsequent to that, they were not able to do the mitzvah with the group, but it would not be a disqualification at all of Shinui Ba'alim. On the other hand, Rabbeinu Hananel has a slightly different idea with a different milestone. According to him, anyone who was healthy enough to be part of the group originally, even if at the time of the Shechita, they're no longer able to be part of the group, it's still not considered Shinui Ba'alim. So that's the point that he disagrees with the Rambaman. And then finally, Rab Chaim points out that the Rambam and Rashi seem to reflect a debate about this because Rashi holds that Shinui Ba'alim and Arelim are two different disqualifications. They apply in totally different cases, whereas the Rambam holds that they overlap if someone is in RL, so then they're out of the group and there's a problem of Shinui Ba'alim. So that's Rab Chaim's piece to explain the Rambam. The key conceptual points are, first of all, Rab Chaim suggests that someone who can't eat from the Karban Pesach, so we don't say that they're part of the Karban Pesach group, they're just not able to eat from it, but the fact that they can't eat from the Karban Pesach means that they're not part of the group at all. So that introduces a new problem into this situation. Not only is the Kohen doing Zrika for someone who can eat, but in addition, he's also doing Shinui Ba'alim. So that's how Rab Chaim proposes to interpret the whole Rambam, that the issue he's dealing with is not whether the Zrika included someone who can eat, but he's dealing with the question of Shinui Ba'alim, and that explains the ruling of the Rambam. So this point that someone who can eat is not included in the Karban Pesach opens the door for bringing in the issue of Shinui Ba'alim, which is the basis for Rab Chaim's piece. Second, and related to the first point, is that Rab Chaim suggests that the definition of who's included in the group gets determined at the moment of Shechita. So that is the moment when we evaluate who's considered part of the group or not. And finally, third, Rab Chaim has an important distinction between the concept of ownership of Ba'alim for a regular carbon, which means the person who's bringing this carbon on whose behalf the sacrifice is being offered versus the concept of minuyav for the carbon Pesach, which means the people who are part of the carbon Pesach group. Now, even though there is overlap, because in order to be considered one of the Baalim, the people who's bringing the carbon Pesach, that means that a person is part of the carbon Pesach group, but still says Rab Chaim, on a conceptual level, there's a distinction and someone could be removed from the group, let's say in the case where they're not able to eat the carbon Pesach and still be considered one of the owners, one of the Baalim of the carbon Pesach in terms of the regular status of being one of the people bringing the Karban Pesach. So that's a very important distinction between what it means to bring a regular Karban versus the additional requirement for the Karban Pesach that a person not only be one of the owners, the Baalim, but also part of the Karban Pesach group. So those are the conceptual points that Rab Chaim develops in this piece. Now one final point 
point about this piece, which is also of historical interest. In the back of the Or Olam edition of Chidusha Ben Chaim HaLevi, so they quote that in the Chuvis Ber Chaim Mordechai from Reb Chaim Mordechai Roller in Arachaim Chelek Gimel Simen Yud Beis, so he actually quotes this idea from Reb Chaim, but Reb Chaim himself sent it to him long before Chidusha Ben Chaim HaLevi was published. So we have a first-hand account of this idea as Rab Chaim in his own lifetime sent it to Rabbi Roller. So the context for this is that Rabbi Roller tells that he published an earlier sefer called Chidushe Ben Yair, and in his discussion in Psachim, he raises the same issue that Rab Chaim's bothered by on the Rambam, and he also asked that if the Karban Pesach is valid in this case, then why can't the person fulfill their mitzvah? So he felt that the real answer is that there must be a misprint in the Rambam. If we just take out one little word, which is ain, so then the Rambam reads, so that a person could fulfill their mitzvah, which is exactly what it says in the Gemara, according to the version of Rabbeinu Hananel. So basically, he felt that it must be a misprint. There's an additional word, which is making it confusing. But what the Rambam intended to write was exactly the halacha of the Gemara, that a person can fulfill their mitzvah with this carbon Pesach. Now, of course, Rab Chaim does not go for this type of solution. So Rab Chaim sent to him his whole approach to explain the Rambam that the issue is not that the people can't eat from the Karban Pesach, but it's that they're no longer considered one of the Baalim, so there's an issue of Shinui Baalim. And Rabbi Roller summarizes the whole approach of Rab Chaim exactly as it was later published in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi. So basically, Rab Chaim obviously had this idea written up, and he shared it with Rabbi Roller in his own lifetime. So it's an interesting first-hand account of these ideas being spread by Rab Chaim before they were published later on after he died. Now, Rabbi Roller at the end questions the approach of Rab Chaim. He does not really accept it. And he raises a very important question on Rab Chaim's solution because he says that this is not how the Rambam generally does things. The Rambam's standard practice is that he records the halachas that are in the Gemara. And if he's adding something on his own, he prefaces it with Yerah Eli to show that this is his own innovation. Now, according to Rab Chaim, the Rambam has the version of the Gemara of Tosfos, that the case in the Gemara is where the Kohen intended to include someone who can't eat during the time of Zerika. And then the Rambam is ruling on a different case, which did not appear in the Gemara, where the Kohen had the intention to include someone who can't eat in the Zerika during the time of Shechita. So that's how the Rambam is not contradicting the Gemara, because even though it must be in the Gemara that a person fulfills their mitzvah with this Karban Pesach, as Rab Chaim himself admits, because the Gemara thinks that the Bryce is Rabbi Nassan, so there's no way to amend the end of the Gemara's ruling to fit in with the Rambam, so it must be that the Rambam did not have Rabbeinu Hananel's girsa in the Gemara, in which case the two cases would be the same, and the Gemara would be contradicting the Rambam, so it must be that he had Tosos's slightly different version of the Gemara, so the case in the Gemara is slightly different than the case in the Rambam, and that's why the Rambam rules differently than the Gemara. And Rab Chaim himself admits all of this in the first paragraph of this piece, but Rabbi Roller raises the issue, and in the Or Olam edition, they quote the same question from Dayan Yisrael Yaakov Fisher and his marginal comments on Rab Chaim, and they ask that if this is the case, what it means is that the Rambam omitted the case of the Gemara, he never rules on the case that actually appears in the Gemara, where the Kohen had this intention during the time of Zerika, and instead he substitutes his own case instead of recording the Gemara 
Sarah's case. So that's a double problem. First of all, why did he not record the halacha in the Gemara? Why did he omit an explicit halacha in the Gemara? And second of all, why did he substitute his own case and not preface it by making it clear that this is his own case as he normally does? So there is a major question on Rab Chaim's whole approach, and Rab Chaim seems aware of it because he does grapple with this at the beginning of the piece. But basically what's emerging is that if the Rambam had Tosfos's version of the Gemara against Rabbeinu Hananel, and that's why there's this whole debate between the Rambam and Rabbeinu Hananel, so then the Rambam is ignoring the Halacha in the Gemara, and then he's ruling on his own case, which does not appear in the Gemara. So there is a problem here. Now, Rabbi Roller himself returns to his idea that there's a misprint in the Rambam, and he says the fact that the Kesef Mishnah, the Lecha Mishnah, and the Mishnah Lamelech, three of the major classical commentators on the Rambam, don't raise any issue here, seems to indicate that they did have a different version of the Rambam without the word Ein, in which case the Rambam is literally just recording exactly the Halacha in the Gemara according to the version of Rabbeinu Hananel, that even if the Kohen had this intention during the time of Shechita, it's still a fully valid Karban Pesach and a person can fulfill their mitzvah. So that's the way Rabbi Roller concludes. And of course that also has the benefit because the Rambam does come from the school of Rabbeinu Hananel, so it would fit nicely historically if the Rambam is just recording the version of the Gemara that Rabbeinu Hananel preserves because those would have been the Gemaras that the Rambam would have been using as opposed to saying that he follows Tosos' version of the Gemara which is from a whole different region. So there is a historical basis also for this. On the other hand, Rab Chaim of course does not go for these types of solutions. He prefers not to amend the Rambam especially when he can come up with a creative conceptual idea to explain the Rambam's rulings as he does in this piece.